Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Today we're starting a new series. We're resetting the fire foundation again. And today is, and for the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at the Father's love revealed through Jesus Christ. So today I'll be setting the foundation, and I'm sure that um, we will continue to build on that foundation as the weeks go on. So I'm going to start in a place that you might not expect me to start. I want to read from Genesis. Um, I want to start from verse 11, and I'll read until 26. I'll read from here because I have an ESV here. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to the various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plant-bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be light in the vault of the the sky to separate the day from the night, And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems and and moves about in it, according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. 26 and final verse. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Thanks be to God. Amen. Mm. So there's a few verses that I really want us to press into, and it lays the foundation for what I believe that the Lord is speaking to us this morning. And the first one of that is verse 11. We see that the Lord first speaks to the thing in which it requires and tells that thing to bring forth what it needs. I'll explain. So in verse 11 it says, And God said, sorry, I lost my bearings. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. And in verse 20 it says, 
and God said, let the waters swarm. So God, while he's creating the, the vegetation, while he's creating the plants, he speaks to the thing that it requires. And he says, let it bring forth the plants. He speaks to the sea and he says, let the sea spring forth fish. And I found that very interesting. I'm like, God, why are you speaking to the thing that it requires? But here's the bit that I love. In verse 26, can we go there? I want us all to see. When God is creating man and woman, he doesn't, turn to some, he doesn't turn to food and says, let the food bring forth man. He doesn't turn to water and says, let the water bring forth man. But actually what he turns to is he turns to the Trinity, he turns to himself, and he says, let us make man. In other words, what he was saying is that we were created with a need and a desire and a, to receive the love of the Father. We were created from the very beginning, from the very get-go. We were created as a needing the Father. But we see what happens in um, chapters 2 and 3, and I, I won't read it because of time, but God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and it's, and it's good, and he's walking with them on the earth, and it's good, and he, they have intimacy, and it's almost a, a picture of, of relationship between creator and and createe, I don't know if that's the right terminology, but it's like father and son almost. But we all know what happens next. They eat of the fruit that they were instructed not to eat of. But here's the devastating part. As they ate the fruit of the tree, it caused separation between man and God. That's the devastating part. How God intended us to live, to walk with him in intimacy, to walk with him with healed hearts, to walk with him with, with knowing that we're loved, knowing our identity, knowing who we are in him, suddenly is dismantled because of disobedience. And so what then begins to happen is that Adam and Eve are now kicked out of the garden. They're now kicked out of, the, of, of, of almost intimacy. And... So God then begins to reveal himself to Israel in different ways. And I'm going to talk about a few of the ways that he begins to reveal himself. You see, the first one I want to speak about is Abraham. We love Abraham, right? <laughs> wonderful man of God, wonderful man of faith. He's in the faith hall of fame, come on. <laughs> and so Abraham, after he receives his promise, the Lord tells him to go and give a sacrifice of the very promise that he received. And so Abraham, wonderful obedience. I don't know how much I would be able to do that. Um, but wonderful man of obedience. He, he goes and he's ready to, to, to obey the Lord. And he's ready to, to, to slaughter his son. And the Bible says that he picks up his sword. And he hears the angel of the Lord say, stop. But the Lord has provided a sacrifice. You can read it in Genesis 22. Please go and read it. It's phenomenal. The Lord has provided a sacrifice. And here we are. We receive one of the names and one of the attributes of God. We receive a revelation that he is provider. Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. So here we get a revelation of God. We know now in Genesis that he's creator. But in Abraham, we, we, we find out that he's also provider. And it goes on. And the next, I'm going to fast forward a little bit and I'm going to go to, to Moses. And Moses encounters God in the burning bush. And Exodus 3 is, is where I'm speaking from. Please go and read it. It's, oh, it's 
so powerful. <laughs> he encounters God in the burning bush. And here he is. He doesn't feel fit. He doesn't feel like he's able to, to carry out the task. But so he says, Lord, but what shall I say to man when they ask me who you are? Does anyone know what he, God reply, God's reply? Come on now. He says, I am that I am. Go and tell them that the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac has sent you. I am all sufficient. I am the one who will bring you fruit and bring you out of the captivity. I am has sent you. So here we are now. We have God the creator. We have God the provider. And we have God I am. Amen. Come on now. I'm going to fast forward a little bit as well. And I'm going to go to Isaiah because I love this scripture. Isaiah 6. Please go and read it. <laughs> go and read it. Powerful. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was seated on his throne. And what? The train of his robe filled the temple. Wow. Now, let me just explain what that means if you don't understand what the train of his robe means. And so, um, in those days, when the kings would win in battle, what they would do is that they would... They would chop off the, the train of, of the king and they would attach it to their own train to say, I've won. <laughs> and so that's what they would do to, to say. So here we have God in Isaiah. Guess what his name is? El Gabor, the God of war. That's what El Gabor means. He reveals himself as the God of war in the book of Isaiah. So here we have God the creator, we have God the provider, God I am, and God the God of war. Come on. So I'll show you one more example and I'll tell you why I'm telling you this. So I'm going to go to Elijah. Elijah feels like he's the only prophet surviving. He feels like he's the only one that's alive. He feels like the weight that he's carrying is way too heavy for him. But but he sees the prophets of Baal, prophets that are, are, are moving in enchantments, are moving in sorcery and all manner of things. And he says, I'm going to show you that my God is greater than your God. So he's there and I forgot where the scripture is, but Google's your friend. Please go and find it. <laughs> and so... <laughs> and so... <laughs> and so here, here we have Elijah and... The, the prophets of Baal are, are cutting themselves. They're doing all manner of things in order to bring fire upon the altar. I forgot to mention what the challenge was. So the challenge was, whose God can bring fire on the altar? So the prophets of Baal gather. How many were there? 300? 300, thank you for the confirmation. Uh, <laughs> about 300 prophets of Baal. And, and there's one man, Elijah. And so... Here we have it. They're all calling upon their God. They're all calling on Baal. They're cutting themselves, all manner of things, trying it. And guess what happened? There was no fire. And here we have one man, Elijah. But guess what he had? He had the God of angel armies. He had El Gabor. He had the provider. He had the I am. He had the creator on his side. You know, I, I love what David says. David says, um, David says, when, he, when he's about to um, conquer Goliath, he says, who dares come against the army of God? Who dares challenge our God? That's the manner of God we serve. And so Elijah had that attitude. And he's like, you know what? I believe that my God. And he was a little bit um, 
I don't know what the word is. He was a little bit too confident. He was like, you know what? Pour jugs of water on it. <laughs> he was like, pour jugs of water. That's the level of faith he had. He knew that nothing is impossible for I am. And so they do that. They pour water on the sacrifice. And he calls upon fire. And guess what happens? Fire consumes the sacrifice. Fire consumes the sacrifice. And so here we have it. God the creator. God the provider. God, I am that I am. El Gabor. God of war. And the God that answereth by fire. So here we have the picture that the Israelites would have had going into the New Testament. You see, they were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting somebody, but they were expecting El Gabor. They were expecting the God of war to come on his, triumphantly on his, on his horses, his chariots. He was expecting angel armies to come and overthrow all the, all the kingdoms that were present. But our wonderful king, how does he come? With his guards down? Without the army, he comes as a baby. He comes to demonstrate to you and I what we can have. He comes to demonstrate intimacy with the Father. The Bible says that he, didn't, he did what he saw his Father doing. The Bible tells us that he retreated to certain places to pray in private. The Bible tells us that he healed, he delivered, he sat with the least, and he restored identity. I pray that Lord will restore identity in this place. May we know that we are your children. May we know that we're sons and daughters, and therefore be able to live like Jesus. You see, you may be sitting in this place and you're like, Oh, I've heard this all before. I've heard about the love of the Father before. So what else can we press into? But let me let you into something. If you're not living like Jesus, there's another revelation. There's another wave of his love that, you are yet to, that we are yet to receive. So I pray that God will reveal another wave, another wave of his love. And so, here we have it. Jesus. He came as a baby. He demonstrated life of intimacy. But guess what? The cross that he endured, he had you in mind. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that every lash that he received, every, every pain that he went through, every pain that he endured was not just for show, but it was for a purpose. Every lash that he received enables us to receive what we can now receive. What does that mean? It means that now we can receive our healing because of the Lord. Now we can receive deliverance because of the Lord. Now we no longer have to walk in fear because of the love of the Father. I'm going to read Isaiah 53.
Can we have Isaiah 53 up? Sorry. From verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Hallelujah. Verse 6, please. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. The cross is a powerful demonstration of the love of the Father. You see, because of the cross, a guilty man like me, I can now say I've received his mercy. You see, I was guilty. I was deserving of the punishment. I was deserving of the lashing. I was deserving of the nails in my hands. But what did God do? God poured out his mercy on me. And you can receive it if, if you feel like you're guilty, you've been guilty too. He poured out his mercy on me. And that is good enough, right? His forgiveness, his mercy is good enough. The very fact that he's willing to, to, to stop me from receiving what I deserve is good enough. But God does not stop there. He pours out his grace upon my life. His grace is it's what I don't deserve. He gives me way more than I deserve. So here we have it. A guilty man I was. He's given me his mercy. And he's given me his grace. So it's like I was never guilty in the very first place. He's wiped the slate clean and instead he calls me his son and instead he calls you his son and he calls you his daughter and he invites you into relationship. He invites you into, into deep intimacy. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He, he wants to know every detail of your life. He's a good father. And even if we've had bad examples, even if God has been misrepresented by our earthly fathers, I want to assure you that our father is nothing like that. He's a God that will never leave us. He's a God that will never forsake us. He walks with us in the hard times. He walks with us in the good times. He's there when we're down. He's there when we're up. He's there in the valley. He's there on the mountain. He's God and he wants to be our father. But we have to say yes. We have to say yes to that new and deep place that he wants to take us. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my testimony so you guys can get to know me better. 
And then we're going to go into a time of prayer and ministry. And so, I wasn't born in a Christian family, unfortunately. Um, I'm sorry if you've heard this already. I've been sharing it a lot this week. Yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't born in a Christian family. And so, unfortunately, I didn't have that grounding that is meant to come from parents. But at the age of 15, I had an encounter. Well, it wasn't an encounter. I had an awakening to the spiritual realm. And I could suddenly feel darkness, and I could suddenly feel light. I wasn't a Christian, but I knew the, I knew the difference. And so everywhere I would go, I was afraid because I could feel this. It was so scary. And this happened for about two weeks. And in the, in the last day of that two weeks, I, um, I went to the shopping center with my friends. And I could feel this dark cloud over us. And I said to my, turned to my friend, I said, guys, I can feel this dark cloud. Can you guys feel it? They were like, no. What's wrong with you? And I was like, guys, I'm telling you, there's a dark cloud over us. And we need to do something about it. But they didn't listen. And so we, that day, I was like, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my mom. I've tried everyone. They're not listening to me. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell my mom. So I went home that evening and I was like, mom, I can feel this this." The spiritual realm, I can feel darkness, I can feel light, I don't know what it is. And it's leading me to ask questions like, what is the meaning of life? Why do I exist? What is your purpose for me? And so, my mom, she had recently started watching this pastor on the TV. And so, she says, why don't we call the pastor? And I'm like, mom. And so, I I trust her, so I said, yeah, I'll give it a go. And so, we called him, and I felt a bit better, to be honest. So, I was like, okay. Maybe I'll give this Christianity thing a chance, you know what I mean? And so, so I agreed to go to church with her on one occasion. And so we went to a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, um, in, that, in that prayer meeting, I didn't even realize, but for the entire time, I was just talking to the Lord, talking to the Lord. And then I only realized that I was doing so at the end of the meeting because my... My, my mom's friends came and said, there's something about your son. Did you know that he was talking, for the, praying for that whole time? And that's when I realized, whoa, actually I was. And so um, at the end of the meeting, I, me and my mom were walking down the stairs, and I started crying again. And my mom said, Lee, why are you crying? And I said something. It's almost, again, I was still in the, in the spiritual realm. So I said to her, mom, I don't want you to die. She reassured me, as moms do. You guys are good at that. She reassured me and she said, everything's going to be all right. But unfortunately, for the next two, no, unfortunately after that I had completely forgotten about the encounter that took place. And I went back to living life as normal. Normal. (laughs) And, but guess what? Our good father pursued me for two years. He pursued me for two years and he wouldn't let me go. Wherever I would go, street evangelists would stop me and be like, there's something about you. Is it okay if I pray for you? I would, I would go to my friends' houses and their parents would start preaching. I'm like, here we go again. Everyone would leave the room and it's just me and them and they're preaching, telling me the good news, telling me the gospel and it's sowing seeds in my life. This kept happening. This kept happening for two years. But at the end of the two years, 
me and my group of friends, we went to a party. <laughs> we went to a party, and then um, one of my female friends got cold. And so I gave her my jacket, and then she went home. But then what, um, she had invited us all to church the next day, but I had made an executive decision <laughs> on behalf of everyone that we weren't going. <laughs> and, so I, and so I wasn't even going to tell my friends. I just decided we weren't going. But the next morning, what me and the lads would always do is we'll meet up and we'll be like, um, oh, you did that at the party, laughing, laughing at the way you danced, uh, kind of thing. And so we'll do that all the time after a party. And so we're there, we're gathered, but guess what happens? It starts to pour down with rain. It starts to pour down with rain, and I'm like, oh, guys, I need a jacket, yeah? And so, and so my friends very kindly agreed to come with me to collect my jacket. But as we get there, um, the, the girl invites us in. She's like, oh, why don't you come in? It's raining. And so I said, okay. And we all, we all went in, and guess what? We all encountered Christ in that church. The love of the Father was all revealed to us in that church. But then, my biggest fear happened. What I had been sensing in the Spirit from a young age occurred. And that's that my mom had a heart attack. And so here I am, and the hardest thing that could ever, ever happen to me is happening. My biggest fear is suddenly realized before me. But I'm so grateful for a loving father that walks with me in those dark times. I can tell you story after story of his provision. I can tell you story after story of his deliverance. I can tell you story and story of his healing. But what I'm the most grateful for is that Father walked with me in the hardest time of my life. And he healed my heart. He healed my heart and he showed me who I was in him. He showed me my identity. And that's what I believe that the Lord wants to do today, but also in the next coming weeks. So I'm just going to invite the band up, if that's okay. And we're going to go into a time of prayer and ministry. Jesus. Father, we're so grateful that you're active in this place. Thank you that you're working on our hearts and you're working in, in our minds and that you want to reveal yourself. Why don't we all stand? Mm. Jesus. Mm. Come on, just begin to thank him. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for wanting to reveal yourself to us as Father. And so right now, Father, we open up our hearts and we say we want another revelation. We want another wave of your love to come upon us today. Come on, if that's you, just say yes, Lord. Come on, if that's you, just say yes, Lord. And if you feel like the Lord is pulling on your heartstrings right now. I just want to invite you to come up. And we're going to prepare a ministry team out here. More than willing to pray for you.